Welcome to Looking Forward, where we speak with experts about marketplace and societal trends, and most importantly, how they might affect you. I'm Jeff Ostroff, the host of Looking Forward. If you're like me, you're fascinated by trends in the future. In fact, several years ago, that was one of the things I focused on in a book I wrote. Hi, everyone. Today on Looking Forward, we're going to talk about a major trend that has been building steam for many years, and it doesn't appear likely that this will change in the foreseeable future. I'm talking about the use of freelancers. To help us explore this megatrend, we have an outstanding expert. He's Adam Ozemek. Dr. Ozemek is the chief economist at Upwork, the world's work marketplace, where he leads research on labor market trends. Previously, Adam was a senior economist at Moody's Analytics, where he managed U.S. demographics forecasts and research. Prior to that, he was the director of research for Econ Consult Solutions, an economics consulting firm in Philadelphia. Dr. Ozemek, an expert in the functioning of labor markets, produces research in a broad array of economics fields, including demographics, monetary policy, and immigration. He also serves on the Economic Innovation Group's Economic Advisory Board, where he helps inform the organization's work on issues such as labor market dynamism, geographic inequality, and access to capital for struggling communities. Adam has written for the Forbes Model Behavior blog, and his research has been cited in publications such as the New York Times, the Washington Post, and the Wall Street Journal. Dr. Ozemek holds a Ph.D. in economics from Temple University. Well, hi, Adam. Welcome to Looking Forward. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. My pleasure, Adam. Let me ask you this. The freelance business has been in existence for quite some time. What was it that got you involved in it? Were you a freelancer yourself, Adam? And how did you wind up at Upwork? So I'm not a freelancer, but I am an entrepreneur. I have a few uh, small businesses that I help run and uh, help start. So that makes me very interested in entrepreneurship. But also just as an economist, I find um, this way of working to be a very compelling addition to the economy. You know, it's important to the people who want to work this way. It's important to the businesses who want to hire people this way. So I'm very much a, you know, flexible labor markets type guy. And um, so just sort of. I guess ideologically, you could you, you could say I, I think this is a really important part of the economy, and so that's one thing that brought me here. And the ability to have an impact on a global labor market also is that's a really big thing for an economist to be able to do. Well, one of the things that's fascinating about your background is I see you also get involved in immigration. You're not just limited to what we're going to talk about. You you get involved in a lot of things, and I find it very interesting that as an economist that you are working with Upwork. I think that's really neat. And you've kind of given us a reason why. Is there anything else you'd want to say about the other stuff that you do, just briefly? Yeah, I mean, immigration ties in very neatly. So does issues like free trade. I mean, it's really about um, what the economist David Ricardo argued hundreds of years ago about the gains from trade and specialization and you know, very fundamental concepts to economists that we've realized for a long time are important for improving welfare for everybody. So, you know, I just see myself as very, I'm very much an economist, like in seeing those things as being important and to the extent that I can, you know, 
work towards improving trade and improving specialization that, you know, that's a good feeling. And your services are much needed, particularly at a time like this, Adam, we're going to get more into that. By the way, you may not know this, but I'd say back in the summer, actually, I had somebody from the Bureau of Labor Statistics on, and he was talking about overall job opportunities, where might be job growth. A little bit of that was thrown off by COVID, of course, but it was an interesting conversation we had here on Looking Forward. Now, Looking Forward tends to focus on the future, but in order to do that, we first like to take a look a little bit backwards. So I'd like you to comment, Adam, on how you would say the freelance business has changed over the past few decades. Now, we're talking about before March of last year, before right. COVID. How would you say it's changed, evolved over the last several decades? Well, one way to think about freelancing is sort of as a subset of self-employment. And self-employment goes back as far as humanity goes back, right? I mean, what's a caveman if not self-employed? <laughs> That's right. So it's always been with us to, the, to some extent like that. What's changed in, in the last, really the last two decades is that freelancing has much more so than the rest of the economy become more remote. So freelancers have always been more likely to be remote. And actually, if you look at um, the rate of remote work pre-pandemic for freelancers, that's basically comparable to the remote rate for overall workers at the peak of the pandemic. So it's a very, they're very comfortable remote because, you know, that's, if you're, you're working for a lot of clients, you can't be driving around to, you know, all the different offices. If you've got five or six clients, like the average freelancer does, you don't have time to do all that. So you get used to working with people remotely. So that's the big change. Um, you know, a platform like Upwork, helps freelancers connect with businesses all over the world. And you know that's not something you could have done a few decades ago when hiring freelancers. So you've always been able to hire a freelance web developer, a freelance programmer, a freelance graphic designer, but now you can hire them uh, anywhere and you can hire them very easily and you can work with them very seamlessly. So it's really, it's about how freelancers and businesses find each other and work together that's changed. And wouldn't it be true, Adam, that it was to a good extent, the internet and email that has made that possible. And I'll tell you why I'm saying that. Years ago, I did a lot of consulting work and a lot of speaking. You had to go there. That was part of the problem for me. We had two young children, twin girls, and I just couldn't be running around all over the place doing this consulting work and this speaking work. It would have been great if everybody in Philadelphia, Adam, hired me, but it wasn't happening. I'm from Philadelphia. So isn't that really what's propelled this remote work that you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, the internet is obviously a necessary ingredient. And then it's been the technological progress we've made since then, where it's not just, you know, a way to email clients and have a website, which was sort of the initial phase. But now you have a global labor market like Upwork, which is built on the internet, which is, you know, takes to a level of um, complexity and capability and features that go beyond what just being able to connect online allows you. Yes. And I might add that I actually have used Upwork and I, I think it's a great site. I probably should point that out. Another thing I want to mention just briefly, and then we'll move on, is back in the early 90s, I had an idea because I knew there were a lot of freelancers out there. And my idea was to put together a directory 
not electronic. We didn't have electronic, but the idea was a published directory of experts and consultants where the experts would put their ads in there and then the clients would know who they were. And it could have been local, like just Philadelphia. There's so many people who were even then were doing it, but getting your name out there was very hard. And as I mentioned to you before the show, it didn't happen. The publisher decided not to do it. I guess it reflects and reinforces what you were saying, Adam, is that it's been around, well, since day one, but more recently, there were a lot more consultants even 30 years ago than there seemed to be years and years ago. Now, you represent Upwork. The phenomenon of freelancing seems to be a global one. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because we have listeners who don't just live in Philadelphia, in Pennsylvania, in the United States. They're all over the place. So how much of a global phenomenon are we talking about with freelancing, Adam, in your opinion? Yeah, definitely freelancing is a global phenomenon. We have people from countries all over the world that come to our platform, both as freelancers and as clients. So that's important to understand as well. You know, if you are in a developing country, there's a lot of advantages to having access to Upwork. So if you're a freelancer, obviously that's a way to find clients in all over the world. And, you know, that incentivizes you to build skills, skills, which then can be used for, um, you know, domestic businesses as well. So that's one of the important, um, you know, drivers of, of economic development is when people build skills in their own country in order to take those skills abroad, then you start to create institutions for skill building. And like, so even though if someone is in Kenya and they learn to be a programmer, even if they leave Kenya, either by becoming an immigrant moving away or by offering their services on a, a global labor market, there's still tremendous benefits to the country there, one through either remittances or if they're still living there, you know, that's a really huge benefit because they're spending money in their local economy. But also it making it useful in those places to gather those skills is sort of a self-perpetuating cycle. It's a good, it's, it's a good direction to be going. And then you get schools to do it. And then you have the schools, it makes it easier for other people to do it. So that's really powerful for developing countries. And so the sort of global services trade, which is what you might think of us as being sort of a subset of, it absolutely is, it's very big and it's very important. And um, it's growing in importance every year. Adam, as a quick follow-up to that, and, and I'm glad you pointed out the importance of it. Would you say that the trend of more freelancing domestically here in the United States, and as it applies to outside the United States, have kind of followed each other in parallel fashion or was the U.S. out in front or behind, and then the, the rest of the world is getting more involved or, you know, vice versa? Have they tracked each other or is it pretty much one started it and others jumped on the bandwagon? So self-employment is very common in developed countries, especially because you don't have to build large companies requires a reliable rule of law and um, the ability to raise significant sums of capital. And so in a lot of developing countries, you do have self-employment. So this is not something that would be new to them. What's new there is the access to the global services clients. And so that's what changes for them. In the U.S., I wouldn't even say, um, you know, up until the pandemic that we were necessarily experiencing a huge surge in the number of freelancers. What we're seeing is that freelancers are going online. So freelancing has always been part of our economy, like I said, and there have always been a lot of freelancers. And what we do is we make it you know, easier to be a freelancer. And so I think that they're going online, they're coming to Upwork, and they're finding clients everywhere. 
Okay. I'm glad you clarified that. Let me ask you to clarify something else. We're hearing the term out there, and I'm sure you're very familiar with it, Adam, the gig economy. I've heard speakers talking about it. I've seen it written, a gig economy. It's mentioned at conferences. What is the difference between freelancing and this so-called gig economy? Yeah, it's a great question. Freelancing is a really big tent. It encompasses a lot of different types of work. And it's a useful term in that it describes a, a, a particular economic phenomenon, but the variety in there and the diversity of the ways that people freelance is really huge. And so you have sort of gig economy stuff, which would be more low-skilled, short-term, one-time, one-off gigs. And, uh, you know, a lot of that, there's the examples we all know of like ride-sharing companies, but, you know, a lot of that also happens in you know, the brick-and-mortar economy that's not even online yet. On the other side of the spectrum, you have skilled independent professionals, which is what you would find on Upwork. And so this is, our, our platform is freelancers are more educated than the population overall. There's a lot of advanced degree holders. In general, they're doing relatively highly skilled work. And so in a lot of them, they're doing it on an entirely full-time basis. This is their career. They're self-employed, independent professionals. They're not doing, and a lot of them, they're not doing just like little jobs. They're doing, you know, longer-term relationships with clients, more, you know, sort of ongoing work. So it fits under the same tent, but it really is a very different phenomenon. And, you know, you reminded me, Adam, there of another term that may be similar to the gig economy. I'm not sure. Side hustle. That's another one. Is that more like the gig economy? When I think about how you just, just described that, is that what a side, it's like something that you just do on the side, some little maybe one-off thing? I mean, you certainly find side hustles throughout the freelance economy, both from the low-skilled short-term stuff and also in the higher-skilled, more long-term work too. So, you know, you can be a programmer who has a full-time job, but then you do some work on nights and weekends and stuff. So I don't think the, the, the concept of the side hustles necessarily limited to one type of freelancing. Okay. Now, when we start to project backwards even less so, i.e. in the last year, because we're now about a year into COVID, right? What, in your opinion, have been the biggest changes that have occurred in the freelance business since the onset of COVID, Adam? Yeah, so we've seen a huge surge and in increase in freelancing, both on the supply and demand side. So there have been a lot more people who want to freelance now, and there are a lot more people who want to hire freelancers now. Just been really, really significant growth there. And one of the important reasons for this is that a big blocking point for firms to engage with freelancers traditionally is remote work. And so, you know, the people at, at Upwork, they'll uh, salespeople go to enterprise clients and they'll say, look, here's what our platform offers. And the businesses will say, that sounds great. I love the idea of it, but we don't work remote. We just don't do it. Now, nobody says that anymore. And so <laughs> they've gotten over that mental block of remote work and everyone understands that actually it works a lot better than you thought it did. And, you know, I can point to a variety of survey evidence, both for for individuals and for businesses that shows, you know, people basically have been surprised significantly positively to the upside that um, things are working better than they thought it would. And so everyone's like, okay, I guess I do work remote, which means that it's much easier to work with a remote freelancer. So that's been one of the big driving points. The other thing is when you're in a pandemic and you're in an economic 
sort of period of uncertainty and you're having really rapid changes and challenges that you're facing, both scaling up and scaling down, uh, those are perfect times for freelancing. So you may, you know, for example, be a client who has suddenly needs to ramp up your uh, e-commerce sales because your brick and mortar has been shut down. Now you can do that by hiring out an entire e-commerce team as full-time employees, but that takes time. It takes time to hire people full-time. It's a much longer vetting process, you know, data we've seen shows. And so it's much easier to just um, hire freelancers to scale up your e-commerce operations and do it on a project basis versus making, you know, sort of a long-time commitment that you need, like all these e-commerce professionals there long-term. So the pandemic itself creates a lot of challenges and that are well fit to freelancing that sort of scale up, scale down problems. But then longer term, it really is that getting over the hump of remote work that has, I think, brought people to freelancing on a more permanent basis. I couldn't agree with you more. A couple of comments about that. One would be similar things are happening, Adam, as you probably know, with telemedicine, right? There was a big hump there to get over with telemedicine. It doesn't work all the time. It's not perfect, but in certain situations, why not, right? It can really work, especially if you're in a rural underserved area and you got to drive so many miles to see a doctor. It can really work, again, depending on the situation. Another one that I've experienced personally is I do voiceover work. And it used to be that you would have to go into a studio to have to record and then it was, well, it's okay in some instances for somebody to have their own studio. Now it's like, they want you, you have your own studio. This is terrific. You know what I mean? So you're right. It's getting over that hump. Yeah. And a lot of those things that you mentioned, it's not just that, you know, once you're over that hump, it's convenient for everybody, but it lowers the cost of doing these things. And when you lower the cost of doing something, you increase the demand for it. The fact that, for example, businesses can scale faster without needing to buy a lot of office space should increase the demand for the kind of workers that they need to scale. It's sort of like, think of office space as like a tax on labor. And um, you know now that tax has gone down. Yes. And that's a whole other area we're not going to get into, Adam, which is commercial real estate. That's a whole other area, but it also has a relationship to this. We touched on this before. I'm not sure if you're going to have anything to add. The stuff that you've just been talking about, getting over the hurdle, the greater acceptance of remote workers and freelance work, same things happening post-COVID with other countries. Could it possibly be helping out in some ways, as you alluded to earlier, the lesser developed countries? Are you seeing any trends there post-COVID that would be different in any way from what's happening here, maybe on a lesser scale or a grander scale? To be honest, it's not something we've taken a look at yet. We're just looking at, we're seeing demand and on both sides of the marketplace everywhere. So I uh, haven't really disaggregated to look at whether it's stronger in some places than others. Okay. Looking forward, what do you think the impact long-term will be of COVID-19 on the freelancing business whether somebody chooses to hire freelancers or they are a freelancer themselves, do you think there are going to be any big winners or losers in this, Adam, as we project out over the next five to 10 years? Yeah, I mean, I think that a greater willingness to work remote is going to continue to pay dividends to freelancing. Overall, the freelance economy 
there are going to be people who are much more comfortable working this way now that they go remote. So I think it's a good, um, you know, it's going to be a, a growth sector for some time as a result of those tailwinds. I think that, you know, the things that we see strong demand for on our platform, the things that people come to our platform for are web mobile software development, marketing and design type work. You know, there's a, there's a huge variety of skilled services. So I wouldn't want to suggest that um, there's only one way to get ahead when people are hiring remote. There's a, there's a lot of different types of jobs that are done remotely. There's a lot of different types of jobs that are done freelance. So on that note, do you see looking down the road more kinds of work that will be done in a freelance fashion and let's say through a platform like Upworks? You mean, will we have a greater variety of work? Yeah, variety of companies that might be looking for freelancers, an increase in the number of kinds of positions, of assignments. I'll give you an example, and that might help you. I know somebody who is a tutor. This person tutors young people. I don't know enough about Upwork to know if Upwork has jobs like that. But I'm just wondering, with this increase in remote workers, this freelancing, and with platforms like Upwork, are there going to be more of those kinds of opportunities? Not just tutoring, but other kinds of things that heretofore don't fit into those packages that you were talking about, like the marketing and the IT stuff. So in general, when you increase the size of a market, you're going to get more instances of niches and more specialization. It's actually one of the great benefits of having a bigger labor market and a bigger economy is it allows for more levels of specialization. So you're absolutely going to see more niches. You're going to see more variety. You're going to see people, you know, coming to the platform, looking for something that they just can't, they can't find a specific type of expert in their area. And so they come to Upwork for it. You do have a lot of writing there now, but the bigger the market grows, the more variety and specialization you'll see. So like, you know, machine learning experts, for example, you can come to the platform for something like that. That's especially useful if you are currently a business operating in a smaller labor market and you just don't have access to that kind of talent. Okay. So that's an encouraging thing. You see the field growing then. Yeah. You know, it's funny before the pandemic, I, I mostly really just focused on freelancing becoming more remote and freelancing becoming, uh, going from, tr you know, traditional staffing companies going from there to, sort of, uh, you know, online platform like Upwork. But I really do think that the post-pandemic, the greater comfort for so many businesses of hiring remote really is going to be a boon for freelancing. So I do think that um, something I wouldn't have said last year, I do think that we will see, you know, a, somewhat of an increase from more freelancing you know, above and beyond online freelancing. And, and does it follow you being an economist that we may see more and more people opting to do freelance work than actually attach themselves to a company as an employee. I don't want to be too utopian. And okay. the, you know, the traditional nine to five is going to remain the predominant way that people okay. work, but it doesn't, you don't need everyone to be a freelancer for freelancing to be a really big and exciting part of the economy, right? We're already you know, comparable in size, freelancing is already comparable in size in terms of GDP to a major sector like construction. Wow. And we don't need everyone to be a construction worker in order for construction to be an exciting industry, right? Right. Adam, as you know, many individuals have lost their jobs due to COVID-19. 
Others may be changing careers, looking to work after retirement, maybe be students trying to figure out what they want to do with the rest of their lives, what career they should pursue. What specific industries or talents do you think may offer the greatest opportunities for these different kinds of individuals in the freelancing business? And I know there's a variety of people that I've talked about there. And what would you see from your perspective as what these different people need to do to capitalize on whatever opportunities are out there? Yes. You know, it's a diverse economy. The freelance economy is diverse as well. And so you don't want to overgeneralize and say, look, everyone should become a programmer, right? Because regardless of what your talents are, there's going to, you're going to be able to find something that's a good fit for you. And so it's really about figuring out what works for you and making sure and finding out what is the thing that works for you that's growing. So if you're an artistic person, there's a lot of demand for design and marketing and content creation and social media. If you're a more sort of mathematically oriented person, there's a lot of demand for various, you know, programming roles. So I don't think it's a, it's a matter of, you know, there being like one or two things that are the growth sectors. I think if you have the potential to do skilled services, think about what it is that's the best fit for you and sort of take a look what's out there because there really is not one way of succeeding. And just a follow-up question to that, I'd be very interested in your opinion, Adam. There's a lot of talk these days, and I think it makes sense, that not everybody needs to go to college. Not everybody needs a college degree to succeed. And I'm curious from your perspective as an economist, and again, we're, we're still thinking about freelancing and there could be opportunities that don't require a college degree to be doing for, what would you say about that, Adam? Two different ways to think about this, because I think there is, tends to be overgeneralizations in both directions. One is you're absolutely right. Not everyone needs to go to college. There are a lot of jobs that can be done without a college degree with some training, both online and offline. So remote jobs and in-person jobs, there's a lot of things you can do that are not college jobs. So that's important to, it's important to, to recognize that and to not create this perception that college is the only path to success. On the other hand, we don't want to imply that, you know, college doesn't work on average and the average returns to college are still quite positive. So this suggests that there are still a lot of people who don't go to college who probably would benefit from college. Even on, when you're looking at sort of marginal students, the returns are still pretty good. So that doesn't mean that everybody that gets a college degree, it ends up paying off for them. There are a lot of people who make a mistake in the kind of college degree they pursue, the kind of college they go to, and also not finishing as well. And so there are people who, for whom college turns out to be a mistake, but there are still people for whom going to college makes sense and they aren't doing it or they aren't choosing right or they aren't finishing. So it's important that we be able to hold both things in our mind at once, that not every job that's good requires a college degree, but also on average, college does pay off and there are still people who aren't getting to college because they lack the resources to do so. Mm. They lack the right encouragement or motivation to do so. And we shouldn't just give up on them and say, look, not everyone needs to go to college, even though that fact is true. Good points. I think it was very balanced. Now, I want to ask you one last quick question, and then we'll get to how people can find out more about you and Upwork. This is more focused on Upwork itself, and I'm not even sure if you're the right person to ask the question. But looking forward, as we do with this program, can you envision any meaningful changes 
in Upwork itself that you're able to disclose that relate to this freelance economy that we've been talking about? So I don't think I can tell you anything that's coming down the pipeline, no sneak peeks or anything like yeah. that. But what I can tell you is that the marketplace continues to evolve and we continue to work on it and add new features. And it's a very exciting future in terms of where I think we're going. So uh, the answer is no, or we can't give you any sneak peeks, but yes, I can promise you that the future is very exciting. That's great. And exciting, not just for Upwork, but as you've alluded to, for people who may either hire freelancers or be freelancers or become freelancers, correct? That's right. I mean, everything we add makes it easier for both sides of the marketplace to use. Okay. Adam, this has been great. What's the best way for our listeners to find out more about you? I don't know if you give presentations. I think you do, in addition to interviews, which I know you give, and more about Upwork and what Upwork is up to lately and how do you reach you or Upwork. What's the best way to do those things? Sure. You can follow Upwork on Twitter. You can go to the Upwork press page, or you can follow me on Twitter at Modeled Behavior. That's my modeled Modeled Behavior. Uh, modeled Behavior. Yeah. That's Twitter, right, Adam? That's Twitter. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Adam. This is exciting. It's a great trend. As I said in my intro, it's really a mega trend. John Nesbitt years ago talked about megatrends, and this is this is a megatrend. This would qualify. And you're with the right company at the right time with the right expertise. So good for you. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward. I hope you've enjoyed it and learned something. I also hope that you'll tell others about our show. If you have any comments or ideas for future episodes, please contact me at my website, Jeff ostroff.com that's j-e-f-f dash ostroff o-s-t-r-o-f-f dot com this is jeff ostroff inviting you to join us again next time on looking forward